welcome to Timber Creek Church, or as I like to say, welcome home. I'm Janet Yancey, and we're so glad you've joined us this weekend. In just a few moments, our pastor will share a teaching from our current series, and we will be together for just over an hour. If you're new, we're so happy you've decided to join us today. Please take a second and fill out the Connect card in the seat back in front of you so that we can properly thank you for being with us today. You can drop it off when the offering buckets are passed at the end of service. But first off, we want you to know about a few things that we are excited about here at Timber Creek Church. Camp changes lives. From the moment your kids and you set foot on the campgrounds, adventure is inescapable. They will make lasting memories while enjoying crazy games, zip lines, canoes and kayaks, the blob, tubing, swimming, and so much more. We want more for the next generation here at Timber Creek. And camp is a one-week experience that will change your son or daughter's life for eternity. All camps are still open for registration. For more information, visit timbercreekchurch.com slash camp. This Wednesday at 7 p.m., we'll be hosting a worship night with singer-songwriter Daryl Evans. Daryl Evans is known for some of the great worship songs that we sing in our churches today. He will be leading us in a time of reflection and worship that you won't want to miss. Bring your family and invite your friends for an awesome worship experience right here at Timber Creek. Join women of all ages from Timber Creek Church at the Inspire Conference, hosted at the Worthington Hotel in Fort Worth. This is an event for women ages 18 and up that have a desire to build a spiritual legacy and positively impact the people in their lives. Listen, ladies, gather up some friends and head to timbercreekchurch.com inspire to register before registration closes this Friday, May 12th. Let's all gather in the worship center for a family movie night. We'll be watching one that the whole family will love, Trolls. Yes, you adults will love it too. We will have Cafe Aroma ready for everyone to order a warm treat before hearing a soundtrack for the ages. Water baptisms are taking place next Sunday in each service. For more information, you can go to our website or visit the Next Steps booth in the lobby. Timber Creek Church, your God-given potential is our mission, and we believe in taking next steps. Your first step is Starting Point, which takes place every Sunday in the Angelina Room at 9.30. For more information on all things Next Step, connect with us outside in the lobby right after today's service. You can also connect with us on social media or visit us online at timbercreekchurch.com to stay up to date. Now, sit back and get ready to dive into our series today.
Yeah, right. Trying something stupid like that would be the perfect bookend to, uh, to this series called Stupid. Good morning, everybody. So glad you've joined us today. Well, like I said, we're ending this series of messages called Stupid. And it's not an indictment on you or me. It's just the reality of when we do something and we get hurt when we do it, when we say, I'll never do that again, and then we end up doing it again, well, that would be kind of the definition of what? Being stupid. And what I, love about, what I love about all these videos is behind every stupid activity is someone holding a phone watching their friend do that, you know. So, like, you see this guy planking on a tiger. Somebody is in that room taking that. Do it, Fred. I mean, what in the world is going on? And the whole, the whole theme behind this series is really wrapped up in this one statement. Take your notes on the back of your worship guide and write this down. Life is better when you don't hurt yourself. Now you can learn the hard way. In fact, some of you, including myself, you've made decisions, you've taken roads, you've gone different paths, uh, relationally, financially, uh, economically, emotionally, spiritually, and you say, oh man, that hurt, why did I do that? And life is just simply better if you can learn from wisdom in a multitude of counsel and wisdom from other people that have made a mistake versus having to get your skin in the game on your own. Life is just better when you don't hurt yourself. And the scripture found in Proverbs 12 says it like this, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. We're not born with this love of discipline. No, nobody has kids that come uh, out of the womb saying, discipline me. No, they, 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 uh, we love correction. No, 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 no. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. It's a learned skill. It's not normal for us to love discipline. But those that will embrace discipline, those that will love receiving knowledge and learning from it, there's a, be there's a beautiful life to be lived that, that, that can be, get, guardrails can be put on your life through the word of God. The Bible goes on to say, but whoever hates correction is what? Stupid. And so let's not live with this hate, hating of correction. I'm going to live my own life. That's just the way I roll. You better get off the track when the train's coming through because this is just the way it's going to be. Well, that kind of life, I don't know, that's just, that's just how I am. I just blow up. It's just, just kind of how it is. You just take it or leave it, you know? And people live like that, and that's just stupid. And so to recap, week one, we talked about blame and how blame is one of those things we can do over and over and over again, and it'll hurt you. We think we fixed a problem, but instead blame affixes a problem without fixing the problem. We saw how Adam and Eve on a spiritual journey with God, God in personal relationship, walking in the garden with them, they took their life in their own hands. They fell short of the glory of God. And instead of owning responsibility, being vulnerable, saying, we messed up, God, they hid, they covered it up. And then they pointed fingers and they blamed and blame will only affix the problem. Doesn't really fix the problem. Week two, Pastor Talia did a phenomenal job unpacking the whole idea of pride and uh, some of you are like, man, my husband needed to hear that message. You needed to hear that message. You know, I'm glad I don't have pride. You know, I am so much like Jesus. My spirit animal is a lamb because I'm a lot like Christ. No, 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 no. no. You got pride, goober. Blame affixes the problem. Pride prevents progress. And not only progress in your own life, but the Bible even says God opposes the proud. So like there's this, there's this even, hang on, bucko. 
from God when we have pride in our life. And living, living the blame game and living in pride would just be stupid. Today, we're going to talk about the make or break statement for every person on the planet. If you are breathing, this is an issue for you. It's an issue for me. It will be an issue for you. Whether you are a senior saint, been living for Jesus for 87 years, or you are brand new to Christ, or you're simply dipping your toe in the water, investigating the claims of Christ, just looking for hope, just looking for help. This is a make or break statement that every single person makes and this statement really makes them, and it's this statement right here. I want you everybody to say it out loud when you see it on the screen. Ready? Here we go. Say it. I had these friends. I had these friends. They showed me how to steal cigarettes from Rand's gas station when I was 14. Cool menthols. I had this friend that I valet parked with when I was in college who gave me my first and last dip of chew. In fact, I said, he said, have you ever tried this? I said, no, I'm going to, I'm, I'm in Bible school becoming a pastor, becoming your pastor and I'm trying chew in the parking lot. Sorry. Uh, and and, and I, I said, sure, let, I, I've never tried it. And he said, well, you know, get ready for a kick, man. I said, okay, so I've put a little chew. Oh, you want to talk about felt sick to my stomach like that. And here's what's crazy. We were working as valets in a parking lot and someone had snuck into the parking lot about two minutes after. And I'm sitting there kind of yellow and uh, I'm sitting there like this. Oh man, I'm feeling funny, buddy. It's called rooster chew. It's like even the weak stuff. It wasn't even like the big stuff, the rooster chew. And he said, hey, go chase that car down. Tell him. I literally started running after that car who was sneaking into the parking lot. And I started going... <laughs> I had, it had that much of an effect on me. I had this friend, you know. I also had this friend who was a senior in high school, and I was a freshman in high school, and he was a worship leader in our youth group. And I was brand new, and he befriended me. And we hung out, and he encouraged me and uh, challenged me to keep myself pure and to, to be a man of God. And I had these friends that, that uh, would pray with me in the mornings. I had... I had these friends, and every one of us have these friends that either led us to a place or were involved in a place where we say, why did I do that? In fact, you can sit at a conference table at an, at, at, in a successful CEO's office, and he'll say, I had these friends. And you can sit across someone in a jumpsuit at a picnic table inside a prison, and they'll say, I had these friends. I had these friends are make or break statements that we all will have and are making. And so maybe you've lived life and you feel like, well, is this message even gonna apply? For the sake of your kids and your grandkids, listen to the importance of friendship today. For the sake of those around you, listen to the importance and the value, the commodity of friendship. It's, it's a beautiful commodity like precious gold mined in a river. It's not a utility like just a water faucet turned on in your kitchen. It's valuable. So I'm going to give you the 411 on friendship. Let's take our worship guide. Let's, let's fill out some of these, these thoughts together. The 411, the info on friendship. Let's start with this, this thought. Number one, an individualistic culture puts friends on the back burner. You don't have to search far to see that that's true. And listen, if you're wondering whether we're an individualistic culture, the answer is, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's all about me, baby. It's all about me. What's in it for me? My truth, my life, my, my emotions, whatever you feel is fine. It's me, 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 I, 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 I. I like talking about you, 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 usually, but occasionally I want to talk about me. <laughs> Look at the glossy magazines at the cash register of every single store. Splattered on the front page are not uh, 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 news articles that says, look who's friends with who. Okay? It's, that's the back It's like, look who's sleeping with who. Look who had an affair. Look who did this. This person's talking to Russia, you know. This person's happening here. This is, this is doing this. I mean, it's all over the place. And friendship is on a back burner. Uh, you can add stack of romantic CDs, love CDs, uh, CDs all about erotic love, romantic love, uh, uh, relational love, and you will see a stack of CDs like this. You get a stack of CDs on just being buddies, being friends, and that stack of CDs is a little bit lower, isn't it? It's because it's, because it's not just something that happens. Friendship is cultivated. It's, it's discovered. And so, uh, you know, if we didn't have erotic love, we wouldn't exist. Uh, if, we, if we did not have a family love, we wouldn't be nurtured. If we didn't have neighborly community love, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't survive. We have to have some sort of neighborly love, neighborly relationship. Otherwise, crime would just take over. There's a whole lot more of us than there is those that, that are uh, uh, keeping the peace. As law-abiding citizens, neighborly love keeps us safe. And yet friendship, we can so fill our time, so fill our schedule, so fill our work schedule, so fill our family schedule, that the cultivation of friendships outside of our spouse, outside of our kids, can get the back burner how many of you have ever felt like, man, I wish I would have stayed in contact with them. I wonder what they're doing. And so, man, that 20-year reunion comes by and they're like, man, did you see Pete? Man, I miss that guy. I wish I would have stayed, you know, plugged into him. Man, he's bald. I can't believe it. <laughs> Friendship gets the back burner, but yet it's critical. And all throughout the word of God, we see the beautiful spiritual significance of friendship beyond family relationships. Number two, companions are a dime a dozen, but real friends are really rare. Okay, so you reached 500 friends on Facebook. Whoop-dee-doo. Those aren't friends. Those are likes. Those are confirmations, right? Those are ads, not true friends. Companions are a dime a dozen, but real friends are really rare. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 18.24. A man of many companions may come to ruin. Just because you got a lot of people that you call friends doesn't give you a safeguard to life. In fact, it may be the concoction or the recipe that brings you to ruin. But there is singular, a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Friends are very, very rare. True, real friendships. And so when we find them, we want to do our best to cultivate them and forge them. A friend can be a better than a, a sibling because this was written even in a culture where family was the focus, not individualistic culture. Proverbs was written in a very family-centric culture where everything was, it takes a village to raise a child sort of deal, and the family was the epicenter of culture and community. They're actually the way it should be. But they're even saying in a family culture, there's friends who stick closer than a brother. 
Because see, see, see friends can be faithful when, when family will be faithful, but not out of friendship, out of obligation. So some of you, you, you have a, a loved one that you've maybe had to rescue from this situation or that situation. You love them, but sometimes you don't like them. Anybody ever been there? You love them, but you're tired of throwing a mattress underneath them. But a friend, there's a different relationship there. We'll do it out of obligation as family. But a friend, there's, there's, a, there's a cleaving to that's even closer. There's a, there's a connection that's even deeper than, than a family tie. Number three, real friendships are not made, they are discovered. Isn't it interesting that the person that walks around saying, I just really want to make friends with a lot of people, is a person that doesn't have a lot of friends? Some of you have that friend. I just feel like the Lord has just called us to be best buddies. You're like, the Lord hath not said that unto me. You know, <laughs> really, the Lord told you that? Ooh, I need to pray. <laughs> Dear God, seriously, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? Friends are not just made. Hey, will you be my friend? Hey, will you be my friend? Hey, let's be friends. Friends are discovered. Look, look, look what Proverbs says. We're going to be all through the book of Proverbs today. Proverbs 27, 9, the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt counsel. The word pleasantness in the Hebrew uh, has the same kind of root meaning in language as like a, a, a sugar or honey that, that is that is used in uh, the, the making of some kind of meal. When the book of Proverbs was written, they didn't have sugar, okay? They didn't cook stuff and add a cup of sugar. The only way you had something sweet is if it was discovered on a vine, if it was, if it was out and it was, it was cultivated. They didn't just add to it. So there's even this connotation in this scripture that when it says the pleasantness, it's like there's just a discovery of something sweet, not a, a strategic adding of something sweet. Because how many of you know when you, your, your, your friends are more discovered than they are like intentionally made? Friendships are birthed from the words, me too, me too. So somebody, somebody says, you, 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 you struggle with that too? You struggle with that? Me too. You like the Cowboys? Me too. You like the Green Bay Packers? Go home. <laughs> me too. Our campus pastor, Dan, and our community pastor, Alvin, Green Bay Packer cheese heads. <laughs> anyway, me too. There's like this discovery, beautiful. See, see, the person that says, um, I want to I wanna be your friend, but they don't have a common unity or other, other words, community with you. You can say we'll be friends, but it's when we walk side by side into something that we're connected with. That's a beautiful place where friendships are birthed in the whole state statements of me too. Lovers are face to face. Friends are side by side, not connected from a romantic love, but a mutual interest in moving forward in a common good. Number four, you won't make it in life if you're not good at choosing, forging, and keeping the right friendships. The Bible says all throughout the book of Proverbs, fools perish for lack of wisdom and fools perish for lack of friends. They perish. They, 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 they lose sight. They lose the game for lack of wisdom. The Bible also says there is wisdom in a multitude of 
counsel. And so a fool perishes for lack of wisdom. It means they're not getting wisdom in a multitude of counsel. And that multitude of counsel is either going to be friends that will build them up where they can choose right, forge right, and keep right, or friends that will find themselves more ch a challenge to your life and a burden to carry than a friend that will lift you up and help move you forward. So we want to talk a little bit about today, choosing, forging, and keeping the right friendships. And what, what that has to do with even the word of God. You, you're probably not going to normally hear a message on just friendships on a Sunday morning. But can I tell you, it's critical. Because living without the right friendships, you're not going to live the life you were intended to live. And you're not going to have the system that you were intended to have to support you and care and love and carry carry one another's burdens, love one another, cast your cares on one another. That doesn't happen without the right forging, choosing, and keeping of friends. So let's talk about it. What it really takes to forge a friendship. What does it really take to forge, to, 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 to hammer out and develop? Because even though friends are discovered, once you discover them, you need to to forge them. You got to work on them. You can't work just to make friends, but once you discover one, you need to work to keep friends. You, you, need, to, you need to work the system. There's four key areas the Bible shows us in the book of Proverbs that we need to be balancing. It can feel like tension. It can feel like juggling four key elements in our life, or, or it's almost like keeping balance on a scale with four particular uh, uh, elements in a friendship that we want to keep things balanced. Too much of one thing will, will shift the scales in a negative way, but a balance of these things creates a beautiful friendship. Let's, let's start with the first one, constancy. A friend exhibits walks in, emulates constancy. Look at the scripture. A friend loves at what times? All times. And a brother is born for adversity. I mean, a brother's born to have conflict. A brother's born, you're, just, you're gonna have sibling rivalry. A friend loves at all times. So what does all times mean? Does that mean day or night, 24-7? No. And we'll find out why in just a moment. What all times really means is more of the seasons in life than the, the amount of time. So in the good times, a friend loves. In the times where you're standing up accepting a reward, they're clapping for you. When you are back up against the wall. They're there to help you. The good times, the bad times, when the poker chips are all in or you're out of poker chips. A friend loves at all times, the good, the bad, the ugly. Two, carefulness. So there's a constancy in a friendship. Consistency. But there's also a carefulness because if, if you just put constant and you're not a careful friend, you may, you may be there, but you're not going to provide what you really need to provide when you're there. So there's a balance between constancy and carefulness. Look at the, what the scripture says. Let's go back to that scripture. A friend loves at what times? And a brother is born for adversity. Now watch this next scripture in Proverbs 25, 17. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house too much of you and he will hate you. So a friend loves at all times. Yes. But don't bug the junk out of them. 
You see that? Hey, I took, I took uh, our deacon team, seven men, uh, to Dallas-Fort Worth last week. We had a blast. Some of our pastors, we were, we were touring several different churches. Leaders are learners. And we want to be learners as, as leaders in this church. And we were learning uh, different church methodologies. And also, we were looking at multi-site churches, churches that are one church in more than one location. And uh, because in September, and I got a neat, exciting announcement about our Nacogdoches campus coming, but in September, we're going to be launching our first first our first second location in Nacogdoches and we want to learn how's the, what are the best practices for that we had a blast we got along with everybody we 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 hung out we split hotel rooms and we we just i mean we enjoyed breakfast and lunch and car ride and it was a blast but I canceled the Tuesday morning breakfast we were supposed to have two days later. Why? Because we had spent enough time with each other. Like, we spent enough time. We got to relax a little bit. I don't, I, I, you know, even my wife doesn't want to see me every single day. And so, be careful. You got to be careful with the constancy. Knowing, knowing when someone goes through a tragedy, isn't this, isn't this a tough spot to be in, everybody? I, I, I just embraced a woman in the, in the lobby with a hug and a prayer whose son was killed tragically on Friday in a car wreck. Doesn't know what to do. And you, you, you feel this carefulness where how much do you say? How deeply do you lean in? Do you give space? Anybody ever felt that? Is that just me? Do I call or am I going to bug them? Should I check up on them or am I just, am I just, take, am I just deepening their wound? What do I do? Well, the Holy Spirit helps us balance constancy and carefulness on knowing what to do, when to do it, and how often to say the certain things. Look, look what it says, Proverbs 27. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Look at the tension there. I mean, my parents used to wake me up like this. Bust open the door, you know, at 6.30. Wake up, little Susie, wake up. Why they're calling me Susie, I don't know. That's a dangerous, that's like a dangerous process to be in. But like, wake up, you're like, dad, five more minutes. Hey, buddy. You know, now I wake up, my kids, I'm drumming. I'm a drummer, you know. I was like, leave me alone, you know. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor or their child early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. And you know what that shows? It shows you don't know them well enough and have enough emotional consistency and emotional vulnerability that you don't know whether they're a morning person or an evening person because you're just going to loudly bless and you think you're doing a good job, but it's taken as a curse. And friendship that is sensitive to the nuances of emotional connection, if you don't, if you don't invest in the emotions of your friends, you won't know whether to be loud or quiet and what time to do that. But connectivity, constancy, gives you the wisdom on how to approach issues with your friends. Look at this, Proverbs 25, like one who takes away a garment on a cold day. Just reminds me of a classic movie about two gentlemen that are friends forging a journey across the United States to deliver an important uh, suitcase to a friend. And they've gone through Colorado and it's freezing cold. They don't know what to do. This scripture reminds me of this clip. Take a look. I can't feel my fingers anymore. They're, they're, they're numb. 
Maybe you should wear these extra gloves. My hands are starting to get sweaty. Extra gloves? You've had this pair of extra gloves this whole time? Yeah, we're in the Rockies. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. What? I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you, Lloyd. Calm down. Right now, I'm going to kill you. Harry, you got that crazy look in your eye. <laughs> I know what I'm going to do. What are you doing? I'm going to do something I should have done a long time ago. Ah! You're going to do it! No! Hey! Your hands are freezing! Oh, my. I want to tell you something, it takes pure genius to connect the Bible and Dumb and Dumber. I'm just going to tell you, you're welcome, you're welcome. But like one who takes away a garment on a cold day or like vinegar poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Carefulness in friends. Like sometimes, sometimes we think, well, I'm just going to tell them how I, I'm just going to tell them. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. Be constant. Be careful. Because you may provide a good thing. Singing songs may be a good thing. But it's the wrong thing to a heavy heart. Number three, candor. So you're balancing constancy with carefulness. But then carefulness and candor, that's a huge challenge. To know what to say, when to say it. When you know that what you're going to say or need to say might hurt someone. Look at what the scripture says. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Better to open the rebuke than, than to hide love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Do you see the metaphors of the word of God here? You have friendly wounds and you have wounding kisses. It's this paradox where... Somebody might be kissed by a friend and it actually wounds them deeper than someone who rebukes them and it may be a healing salve that they need. How do you know the difference? The Holy Spirit guides us and teaches. And we need to know when to be able to speak and when to be able to be silent. But, but, but here's the truth. In, in elements like this, wounds from a friend can be trusted. That's been misunderstood a lot. You, you would think that in that, wounds from a friend can be trusted. In other words, when, friend, friends are always going to hurt you. Friends are always going to wound you, right? That's not what it means. It's, it's like walking in to the doctor's office and sitting down up on the bed. And the doctor comes in with the x-rays and says, okay, we, we found something. We found something. We can fix it. But it's going to require surgery. And you can live like this and you're going to get worse. Or... We can wound you. We can cut you. But if you'll let us cut you, take that out, you'll, you'll be sore for a while. You, you may not be able to run that marathon next month. But you're going to get better. Faithful are the wounds of a friend that says, I love you so much. I wouldn't want that growing in you. Can I talk with you? And let's, let's see if, if we can do some surgery 
here. That's the faithfulness of a wound. But the enemy with multiplies kisses is the person that goes over and says, I can't believe about Susie. Can you believe Susie? Cannot believe she's dating that guy. You know they met being pen pals. He's in prison. You believe it? He just got out and she told, she told me, you know, he's only hit me a couple of times, but man, he can play a banjo. I don't know where that's coming from. <laughs> Pastor's ad living here. He's got beautiful blue eyes. He's going to kill you. And then when she's in the hospital calling you up on your cell phone saying, can you come meet me? He put me in the hospital and, you're, and you go and you stand by her bed and you say, I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. She's going to say, why didn't you tell me? And so we have to be willing to say the right things while mixing it with carefulness and constancy. But to have the candor that is not just out of saying what I'm going to say, whether you like it or not, that's not friendship. That's you getting something off your chest. You feeling justified because you can say whatever you want and then snap about it. But a loving open rebuke that comes from the heart of true friendship is so much better than having concerns and never saying anything. Those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. Just saying what someone wants to hear. If they are truly a friend, it's like you put a bear trap in their way. But you can't just be all candor and you can't be just all careful because if you're too careful, you never say what you need to say. If you're just candor, they'll never receive what you're going to say. Are you hearing this this morning? Maybe this is me. This is my, I just got to get this off my chest because I have found that in my life, I'm hungry for more of these kinds of friendships. I'm hungry. I love my wife. My wife loves me. I love my children. But there's just something valuable the Bible shows us in friendships. And I won't live the kind of life I'm meant to live without them. Counsel. Constancy, carefulness, candor, and counsel. Look at this scripture. We already talked about this scripture earlier about the pleasantness, like the honey, the sugar of a friendship that is discovered, not just thrown into the, to the recipe. The pleasantness of a friend springs from the heartfelt, from their heartfelt counsel. It's a sweet thing. Heartfelt counsel is a sweet thing. But look at this other scripture that's a more popular scripture, Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person what? Sharpens another. You have this incredible imagery here of the, of the two-edged sword of friendship. Pleasantness, you have sweetness, and you have sparks. You've got the sweetness of friendship, and then there are times sweetness isn't the answer. Sparks are the answer, where we got to grind away because iron, it doesn't sound sexy. It doesn't sound appealing. There is no pleasantness in the sound of a sword being sharpened, but it's so much more effective afterwards. So much more can be done with a sharpened axe than a dull one. And we have to figure out the balance between pleasantness, sweetness, and sparks. Really what we're saying is when it comes to friends, these two elements are huge, okay? A friend will always let you in 
They'll be emotionally open and vulnerable with you because you've shown, you've shown them constancy and carefulness. You've had candor, but you've mixed it with carefulness. A friend will always let you in, and you know what else? A friend will never let you down. That's what that true friendship is, is always let you in, never let you down. And wow, what a great place to stop this message to say, hey, go and do likewise. Always let people in, never let the friend always let you in, never let you down. Go look, go discover those friends. You go be those friends. But number three, there's a problem with this message. There's a problem with this message, but there's a power to fix it. Here's the problem. You, you want to know what the problem is with that? I'll always let you in and never let you down. You, you know what the problem is? Write it down. I tend to let people down and I don't let people in. I want friends that I myself cannot be. Because I want them to never let me down and always let me in, but then I don't let people in and I let them down. Do you know why? It's not because I'm an evil person. It's because I'm a human. <laughs> it's because you're a human. It's because you are not perfect. So the problem, the problem is that the kind of friend we need, it's very hard for us to be that kind of friend to others. And so we just live life without forging those kind of friendships because it just seems too hard. But here's the power of that. Here's the power. Here's where we get empowered to, find, to discover and forge those friendships. Here it is. It's so simple, but it's so true. Jesus is the ultimate friend. And you will not cultivate the right kind of friendships, friendships, good ones, buddies. But I want to promise you, if Jesus does not become the ultimate friend in all of our lives, the one we go to before anybody else, before we go to our spouse, because our spouse can let us down. Before we go to a friend, because our friend, they're not picking up the phone. Before we go to that, to that buddy, but that buddy has passed away. Who do I go to now? Jesus is the ultimate friend. And he doesn't look to us just as a creator and a created. God with us, Emmanuel, working with us. Uh, the Hebrew metaphor of friendship is walking. And even from the beginning of the garden, God walked with us. Jesus walked with us, took, left heaven to come to earth to what? To walk with us us, to show us I'm not a God that, that, that operates behind the golden uh, wall of heaven. I'm a, I'm a God that walks with you because I want to be friends. In fact, in John 15, 15, before he goes to the cross, he says to his disciples, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. When it's that kind of employer-employee relationship, you know, constancy, carefulness, candor, and counsel, those are kind of secondary to get the job done, do what I ask you to do kind of thing in our culture. But Jesus says, I don't want to call, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you guys get this? I'm not looking to you as servants, Jesus says. You're not just my helpers in ministry. Listen, instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. I've been candid. I've been constant, I've been careful, 
I've given you counsel. You have been with me in dark moments and I will be with you in your dark moments. Jesus will cleave to you at infinite cost to himself. The kind of friend that sticks closer than a brother. There's no better image of this than the cross. He chooses closeness to you and me and it costs him deeply. He is emotionally consistent and vulnerable. Furthermore, instead of inflicting wounds, he receives the wounds. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. How much better a friend who takes the wounds. How much greater the friend that says, wide open arms, I'm going to receive every wound imaginable. So you know that when you are wounded and hurting and you feel hopeless and you feel like people have turned their back on you and it is a dark day and you are, you are, you are hurting, I received all those wounds for you. And when we can come to this resting place, not something we earn or wrestle for, but a resting place of Jesus is the ultimate friend. And no matter who lets you down, no matter who doesn't let you in, he's always arms wide open. He'll always let you in. He'll never let you down. He's the consistent friend. And from that epicenter of our lives, if Jesus will be the true friend first and foremost, that's where everything else can be brought to life. In fact, write it down. If you'll make Jesus the friend your heart desires most. Listen, Christians, I'm not talking to, the, I'm not talking to those that have, have, haven't begun to follow Christ. But some of you are in here and you're going to get that opportunity in just a moment. I'm, right now, I'm talking to both. I'm talking to you. You, say, you love Jesus. But if he's not the friend your heart desires most, you're going to have a hard time with other friendships. But if you'll make Jesus the friend your heart desires most, you'll have all the friendships your heart really needs. Now look close. That's not meaning that Jesus is the only friend you'll have. It means that when Jesus becomes our ultimate friend, we begin to discover because of staying in Christ from the community of believers here at Timber Creek to groups that we get engaged in throughout Timber Creek to, to other believers when Jesus is the ultimate friend and he is the epicenter all of a sudden you start surrounding yourselves, not in people that just like to play golf like you do, but other people that have put Jesus as their ultimate friend. And then when the going gets tough, then when the rubber meets the road, then when the back is against the wall, when you're in that kind of community, Jesus brings us the kind of friends we need. And you're able to say, you too, me too. And Jesus provides that community. You can live life without deep friendships. But, but choosing that life over the life of choosing, forging, and keeping true friendships that are constant, careful, candid, and full of counsel. Man, living a life without that, wouldn't you agree? That would just be stupid. Let's pray. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed, you don't have to earn a friendship with Jesus. <laughs> While you were still 
unaware of him, he was very aware of you. He's desired to walk with you. If you've never asked him to walk with you, never asked him to be the savior of your life, the Lord of your life, if you've never asked him to be the center of your life, if you've never surrendered to him, today could be that day. For the first time or the first time in a long time, if you're here and you say, I need to surrender to Jesus as the ultimate authority in my life and the ultimate friendship in my life, my savior and my friend, if that's you, and for the first time or the first time in a long time, you say, I need Jesus to be the center and the savior. If that's you and you're ready to say, I want that, I want to pray for you. But you with boldness, your only step right now is just to admit that. And if that's you with boldness, would you right now shoot a hand straight up in the air? Just shoot it straight. I need Jesus to be my savior today. I, I need to surrender to him today. Put it right up in the air. Come on, be bold. Put it right up. I see you. I see you. I see you there towards the back and in the front. Sir and ma'am, I see you. I see you guys. I see that couple. I see that family. I see you in the back. And Jesus sees you way before I could ever see you. And he loves you and he's not mad at you. You can put your hands down. I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me, especially if you raised a hand and you want Jesus to be the center of your life. I want to lead you in a prayer of, uh, to, to do that. It's not about praying. It's about meaning it in your heart. But if you mean it, this is happening right now. This is the supernatural movement of God in your life. Would you pray this with me? Say it like this. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus Christ who loves me, who died on a cross for me, who is the ultimate friend. Jesus, I invite you into my life, not to just be my friend, but first be my savior. I surrender my life to you. I wanna walk with you. I wanna follow you. I want you to guide me. Thank you for not being mad at me, but for giving me today to make things right with you. I give you my heart and my actions and my mind. In Jesus' name, amen. With your eyes still closed and head still bowed, maybe you're here and you're hungry for deeper friendship. Maybe you want me to pray that you would be that friend that someone needs. Maybe you're hungry for a friend that you need. Just in a moment of honesty, I'd just love to pray with you. If that's you, would you raise a hand? I'm looking for some friendships like that. I, I wanna be that person and I need that person in my life. Yeah, lots of hands. Me too, me too guys, me too. Jesus, I pray for the men and the women, young men, young women, senior saints, God, I pray that they would forge those friendships. We would not take friendships for granted. God, maybe we need to be reminded of a friendship that we haven't reached out to in a while and send a text or make a phone call or set up a dinner date so that we, like iron sharpening iron, can sharpen one another. And like the pleasantness that comes from friends, we can provide that sweetness to one another the spice and the sparks. And thank you, Lord, that you connect all of us together in that under the ultimate friend, Jesus. Everybody said amen. Would you put your hands together for those that made a decision to follow Jesus today? That was awesome. Lots of hands coming up.